Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we uh, thank you for the day in which you've given us. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as the body, um, as a family. Uh, God, we uh, represent many different parts of the body and members of the family, but God, together we are one. Uh, Lord, when we come together, we have purpose. Uh, Lord, as we're going to uh, open your word today, let us understand the purpose in which you have for us individually and corporately. God, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. You all have a seat. How are we doing today? We're doing great. So, um, who in here likes to just to, to read? Who likes to read? Some of you? Okay, that's all right. That's good. That's good. I like to read. Those of you that don't raise your hand, we're not judging you because you don't like to read. That's fine. But um, I asked that question because uh, today I was, um, or I shouldn't say today, this week, I, I was looking at uh, an article that, that, that was sent to me. Um, who gets the, those, uh, those crazy articles that are just like spamming your, your email box that are, every time you see an article from such and such, you're just like, delete, 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 delete. Anybody? Or is that just me? It's, yeah, okay. Some of us, we get that. Well, this is one of those articles that uh, it's kind of weird because most of the times I just hit the delete button because it's kind of goofy. But for some odd reason, I hit the button and it was an article on church growth. So, and this really has nothing to do, well, kind of does with the sermon today, but I thought it was humorous. This article on church growth was an article on, on how to get your church from, so this was like a past from pastors or whatever, an article that, to get your church from 100 to 200 or to break through the 100 barrier, 200 barrier, and 400 barrier, like of people in attendance. And they listed like 11 different things that were, if you do this, this, you'll break through these barriers. Well, I was looking through it. Some of them were kind of comical. Uh, one was that, okay, you get rid of every activity that you're doing in your church except for Sunday morning worship. So all your focus just goes on one at one time together. Well, okay, whatever. Uh, another one was that you... Um, uh, you, you take influential leaders in your church and you put them in um, paid staff positions. Even if you're only paying them like $50 a month, you've got to put them in paid staff positions. And then my favorite was if you really want to break through the, the, the 100, 200, and 400 barrier is that you've got to cut your sermon down to 25 minutes. Amen. What? So I was reading this. So I started chuckling a little bit because I was like, my introduction doesn't even go 25 minutes. So, um, I, and whoever sent me that, uh, shame on you for sending me that. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. No, but the reason I say that is not only for a laugh, um, and hey, we'll try for 25 minutes. We won't hit it, but. Uh, what happens is there's a lot of things out there that people say, if you do this, this will happen. If you just follow this step, this step, and this step, then, oh, your life's going to be better, or you're going to get this, and you're going to have this, and whatever. Well, nothing outside of God's word has the ability to uh, fulfill the promises that it makes. 
God himself can fulfill the promises in which he makes. I cannot fulfill every promise in which I make. I may be, have the, the, the best of intentions, but I is outside of my power and ability to fulfill every promise in which I make. Uh, I, I, for instance, I made a promise to my son today. Well, actually, I made it you know, yesterday, but for today that, um, or maybe it was Friday, I don't know, whatever. One day this week, I made a promise to Gabe that I'm, I will take you to, to the fair on Sunday to see the rough trucks. So I made that promise to him. Do I fully intend on keeping that promise? You better believe it. But who's to say something wouldn't happen in between? I mean, God forbid that, you know, I got sick with a stomach bug or he did, whatever. The, the skies are limit, the, the limit that things can happen that that promise is not fulfilled. Well, with God, when he makes a promise in his word, it will be and is fulfilled. So that's power. So with that, let's, uh, let's just keep that in mind that, that God's word has power. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to continue on with our, uh, our study of the armor of God. Um, and uh, as, I, as I joked about, you know, breaking through those barriers of church growth and everything, I'll be 100% honest, I, I want to see it. I want to see our church grow. I want to see our church explode. But until you want to see it, until you want to see it explode, um, and until you take the steps necessary, it's not going to happen. Now, and I say that. I'm not saying, like, oh, shame on you. you aren't. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But you've got to want it. You've got to want God to move in a way in which only he can get the glory. Because when we say it's all about me, it's all about what you know, it's all about you being obedient to him. And that's what we need to continue to remember, that if we want, we want to see God do uh, major, huge works, whatever, uh, we've got to be willing to do whatever he calls us to do. There are men and women that are sitting here right now that you're not using the gifts in which God has given you. I'm not trying to shame you. No, 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 not at all. I'm just want to motivate you to, okay, don't, be, don't let the devil keep you pinned down. We're talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about what the devil does, the schemes in which he, he uses to keep you down, to keep you ineffective. Don't let him do that anymore. So that was uh, sermon one. Now sermon two. Um, in Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six, we have uh, um, been looking at the, the whole armor of God. I'm going to do what I did last week. I'm going to read through this again, and we're just going to talk. 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. I, I want to stop and explain that, but I've already done that, so just look at the podcast. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Because the devil has a lot of schemes out there. They come in many different shapes and sizes and varieties. Um, just, just look around. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, I don't know about you, but that was, I, I, when I read that, I, I get the, 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 the glory bumps as Chuckles calls them. Having, and having done all, we explained that last week, right? As if it's already, or as it has already been conquered. Love it. So, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. That's where we're going to be today. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. All right, so in this text, we, we, we've already explained the, the, the previous five pieces of armament, the five pieces of the armor of, of God that are defensive. All right, today we're taking the step and we're going into the offensive weapon. The offensive weapon that we see here, the only offensive weapon in this is the sword of the Spirit. Now, I love how Paul explains this. He says, and, so he says, he says take, on, uh, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And he doesn't leave it hanging like, okay, what is the sword of the Spirit? Oh, so for us to guess, no, he makes it very clear what the sword of the Spirit is, which is the Word of God. Now, I want to kind of throw out um, something because what, what, what tends to happen when you talk about the Word of God, or even let's just say when we talk about the Bible, the Scriptures, the written Word uh, of God, some people have a, a mindset that they can even you know, back up with a, with a Bible verse and say, well, I just don't understand, you know, I just don't understand the Bible. And they may quote something like this out of uh, uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 33. It says, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways some people, that's how they, they, uh, they uh, um, approach the Bible with this mindset. Well, I'm not really going to know everything about the Bible because it's just so vast and it's so beyond me. It even says it here. Well, really, the Apostle Paul here, as he's writing in Romans, what he's saying here is God's ways are beyond your thinking or, or beyond my thinking. His judgment is beyond that. But what we have to understand is the Bible is written to us for purpose in a specific reading, and we can understand it. So don't let the, the, the devil attack you or attack me or attack anybody with the, the notion that, well, you're really not going to be able to understand the Bible, because that's a lie. You can understand it. Um, understanding something, you have to, to be familiar with it, Right? So you have to know what it is that, that uh, you're going, this weapon. And um, the Apostle Paul, he says, okay, he's using this imagery of the sword of the Spirit. And, and, and what, I, what I imagine, what kind of runs through my, my mind is, okay, the sword, what's a sword used for? It's an offensive weapon. We got to learn how to wield this sword. We understand that's what, you know, wielding the sword, using it properly. How do we know how to use it properly? Well, what goes through my mind is goes back to, uh, you know, Marine Corps days of, you know, M16A2 service rifle. Uh, to know how to use that properly, you did everything with it, right, Bobby? You even at times slept with it. 
where, okay, you knew how to take it apart, you know how to put it back together, you know how to clean it, you know how to fix it if it broke, you know how to do keep up maintenance, you know how to do everything, you know how to fire it, you even knew how to use it as a blunt force object if need be. You knew what it is that you were wielding. The weapon in which you were wielding, you were trained and you knew what to do with it. In the same way, I think there's a lot of, uh, of Christians that, that know of what the Bible is, the Bible being the Word of God, being the sword of the Spirit, but not knowing how to wield it. And that's, that's dangerous. You've heard me use the illustration before. Um, if I gave Gabriel an M16A2 service rifle and said, hey, man, go get him, y'all be running for cover, <laughs> right? Deuce is, love you, preacher, but I'm gone. Right? I mean, it, it, would, it would not turn out well. Well, I think that that's what happens a lot of time when preachers get up in front and say, okay, you, gotta need, you need to read the Word of God, and you need to apply it to your lives, and you need to go out there and get them. And you go out there and just start hacking people with the sword and just driving people away. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go out there and share. By all means, that's what we're called to do, to make disciples. But how we wield a sword is important. Now, with the understanding or, or the misunderstanding that some people have. I just don't know what to do. It's just way beyond me. Let, let's learn some truths about God's word first. Some truths about God's word, about the Bible, is it is truly God's word. It is um, entirely true. The, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, is entirely true. When people want to come at you, and when I say people, you know you've had those people. Well, the Bible contradicts itself. Oh, okay, Here, here's how you, how you combat that. Show me. They can't show you. They come up and say all the time, well, it, say, it says this, and well, doesn't the Bible really say? Here's the deal. Every once in a while, you may, may enter into the conversation with that person and says, okay, fine, I'm going to show you. All right, cool. Guarantee that it, every, every quote-unquote contradiction in Scripture can be explained. Now, I'm not saying that it's explained away where, oh, you just got to have faith. No, we can know what the Bible says. But we have to understand, we have to stand on, the, on the, the fact that the Bible is the actual inspired word of God. Entirely true. Now, with it being the inspired word of God, what we need to understand, it is divinely written by through human authors. Divinely written. So the Holy Spirit um, inspired the writing, and you'll see that through the writing of Scripture, you'll see different nuances, especially like when you're reading Paul or you're reading Peter or you're reading James. There are different things that the human um, the human author, uh, you can see different attributes, but what, we, but what we have to understand is the divine inspiration came from God to write. So this is not man's just coming up with what, whatever man wanted to come up with to uh, get his story across. This is God revealing to us, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But understand that this is not only true, is not only inspired divinely, um, it's totally sufficient and completely authoritative, completely authoritative for all matters of life and faith. Now, I'm, I'm, when I say that, it's not gonna, you're not going to be able to open the book of Numbers and figure out how to do your taxes. That's not what that book is for, all right? 
But when it comes to life and faith, what we have to understand is that the Bible is completely sufficient and completely um, authoritative. There is no person that walks this face of the earth, none, that has superiority over the Bible. Why is that? Because, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're asking these questions because it just kind of flows right with our 25-minute introduction. The, the reason that there is no, I don't care how holy of a preacher or a holy of a whatever, a person, anybody may be, there is no one that has authority over Scripture because the Bible is breathed out by God. So, so hear me on this. Just let that, let that sink in. Quit fidgeting around in your seats and talking to your neighbor. Not going to look who it is. But let's just, let's just focus on this for a second. Breathed out by God. Turn to um, 2 Timothy 3.16 real quick. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says... All scripture is breathed out by God. Oh, I just heard that somewhere. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, be competent, equipped for every good work. Let that sink in for a second. When we want to... This is what I want you to do. When you want to elevate my words over the word of God, don't do it. Or somebody that is beyond me, whatever. Never, ever, ever elevate any man's words, mankind, any man, any woman's words over the word of God. The word of God is solely authoritative. We've got to understand this because if we don't, what we do is we let the devil creep in with lies. The word of God is the word of God. It does not change. Well, I can look at a passage and say it says one thing and somebody else can say it says another thing. No, here's the deal. It doesn't say two different things. It says one thing. The Bible says what it says. If you've ever been in a Bible study with me, you've, always, you've heard that. No, the Bible says what it says. Now, how we apply that may be a little bit different. Different applications. But there's only one interpretation. It says what it says. So we cannot think that there is a a man or a woman that that walks the face of this earth that can say, well, I know the Bible says this, but this is what really happens. It's dangerous. Because the very words of God have been breathed out by God and given to us. So when somebody takes the stance of my way over the Bible, that's a bad position to be in. That's a dangerous, scary position to be in because you're elevating your, yourself or you're ele- elevating someone over the authoritative word of God. I mean, I could sit there and, and just hammer this all day long, but what we have to understand is, is the power that's in the word. Because we're talking about armor, right? We're talking about the whole armor of God. We need to talk about the power that's in the word. The only offensive weapon in which we have is this sword. What we need to understand is this sword, being the word of God, contains all the power that God is and God has. So why would we need more than one offensive weapon? The answer is we don't. 
But what we do is when we minimize the word of God, we're minimizing the only offensive weapon that we've been given to combat this spiritual darkness, this spiritual warfare in which we're engaged in. It's paramount that we, and, and I'm not saying that we take the, the, the mindset that, that, that um, okay, the, the, this, this book here, this cow and trees right there, because that's what this is. It's, it's, it's trees covered by a, a, a little baby cow, all right? PETA people can, can say whatever they want, whatever. This book right here, and my dad, I remember years ago when I, talked, when I told this to my dad, he looked at me funny like, wait a second. This book right here has no mystical power to it. This book right here has nothing like you, you, you need to walk around and sing. Oh, this is not holy in and of itself. This is just, just a little, like I said, a little baby cow with some trees. But it's the words that are inside of it, that's contained in it, that's holy. So when it's talking about, this is not just talking about, okay, pick up the sword of the Spirit, so I'm going to go out there, I'm going to be like Luke Skywalker, and we'll zing, 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 you know, one of those deals. No. If I'm going to wield this weapon well, wield this weapon well, do that five times fast. If I'm going to wield this weapon well, I did it. Quit your giggling over here. You do it. Let's see you do it. You want to stand up in front of everybody and say it five times? No. I love embarrassing my sister. If we're going to wield this weapon well, we need to know what this weapon, the damage in which this weapon can do. We, I know we've got a, a, a lot of, a, a, of guys and gals in here that hunt. So when, you're, when you are uh, going on a deer drive with a shotgun, it's loaded, you, un- what? Hopefully. hopefully. What, hopefully it's loaded? Why, did you go on a deer drive and not with a loaded shotgun? Bobby may or may not have been the perfect example for this. But, uh, but if you're going on a deer drive and you, don't have a, or, and you have a loaded shotgun, you're not going to be walking around waving that thing all over the place. Because what happens if that, that, that round goes off and it's pointed at Bobby? You better kill him because he's coming to get you if you don't. So I'm just saying... <laughs> But we need to understand the magnitude of the weapon in which we have. It's, this is important. So as I'm stressing this, the, 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 the power, the authoritativeness of God's word, this is not just so we can, you know, get all mighty and righteous in here and say, hey, we got the weapon, we're going to go. No, it's understanding the, 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 the responsibility that we have. This is huge. In understanding the Word of God. So not only um, is this divinely inspired, entirely true, and totally sufficient, and completely authoritative, what we have to under, understand is there's, there's a couple of, of really key terms. And, and you know, I'm a geek when it comes to big words. But there, there's a couple of really key terms that we need to keep in mind while we are um, reading through and studying Scripture. The first one is Revelation. Now, I'm not talking, to, talking about just the book of Revelation. And some of you are thinking, well, wait a second, isn't it Revelations? No, there's no S on the end of that, of that book. I'm not even talking about that book. I'm talking about Revelation. Revelation, here's a definition of Revelation. Revelation, the act of revealing or disclosing something that has not been known or seen before. All right, so when we talk and we're we're, uh, approaching Scripture, 
What we have to understand is what revelation is. Revelation is the act of revealing. So if you don't get anything else in your notes, just think of it's the act of revealing something that hasn't been known before. That's what, as we're going to see in a second, that's what the purpose of the Bible is. But it's not only... It's not only about revelation, it's about illumination. We know illumination uh, with, you know, bringing something from dim to, to light. You, we illuminate this room, we bring shed light into this room through the, the fixtures. But when we approach Scripture, illumination is, is kind of along those same lines. It's to, to make lucid or, or clear. Um, it's to throw light or to shed light on something. So what we have to understand is when we have this sword of the Spirit, when we have the Word of God, we have to understand it's, it's revelatory. It's, it's a revelation. But what we also have to understand is the Holy Spirit illuminates things, passages, situations at different times for different people. This is important. Now, with revelation, I'm going to answer the, this question because it's, you're dying for me to answer this question. What is the purpose of the sword? So we, we talked previously about the five other pieces of armament, and now we have, so they're all defensive. Now we have the offensive weapon of the, the sword of the Spirit. What is the purpose of the sword? What is the purpose of the Word of God? I'm glad you asked because I, I put it into a sentence. Now, this sentence will, will pop up on the screen because I, I want you to, to, to capture this. So go ahead and throw that up there. What is the purpose of the sword? The focus of the Bible is the revelation of God's plan for the restoration of humanity into his image and for his glory through his son. Let me read that again. The focus of the Bible is the revelation of God's plan for the restoration of humanity into his image and for his glory through his son. So think about this for a second. If we're going to answer that question or, or, or kind of wrap our minds around it, like what is the purpose here? The whole purpose, the whole purpose, the big idea, the focus of the Bible is God's revelation. God is revealing something. And he's not just revealing how, because this is what people say, that, well, the Bible is just a good way in which to live your life. It's a roadmap for life. Is that, uh, is that good? Yeah, that's good, but that's not the intended purpose for Scripture. The intended purpose, the focus of Scripture, is God's revealing something. He's revealing something very specific. Again, I, I, people wanted to say, well, we don't know God's ways. They, 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 they look at Romans 11.33 and say, we can't understand God's ways. It's way beyond us. That's a cop-out because we can understand certain and specific things of what God wants for us or of us. The Bible is God's revelation of the plan. Okay, a plan of what? And this is the beautiful part. The restoration of humanity. From the beginning all the way to the end, it's a story about the restoration of humanity. We talked in Sunday school a little bit this morning that you have to understand what is bad to understand what is good. 
You have to understand that what took place, the fall that took place. So chapter 1 and chapter 2 of, and some into 3 of Genesis, it talks about how God created, everything was in perfection, this is how God intended it, and then man jacked it up, and from then on out, it's all about a story of restoration. And I'm not using story like a fable. No, it's all about God revealing his plan for the restoration of humanity. We are trying, as we become closer and closer to Christ, we are trying to get back to the garden. We are trying to get back to that perfection. How do we do that? Well, we can't do that on our, on our own. We've got to have the, the, this, we have to have a supernatural gift to do this. What is that gift? That's his word. He's revealing this plan. He's been revealing this plan for thousands of years now. As he reveals this plan, what we have to understand is the purpose or the focus of the plan. The restoration of humanity to what? Into his image. If you remember, maybe some of you do, some of you don't. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that, that mankind was created in the image and likeness of God. That's what we're trying to get back to. That's what restoration, that's where God wants us. He wants to restore us to that relationship there. Now, what is the importance of the sword and the, the armament of God? What the devil wants to do is to keep you from getting back to that relationship, that restoration, that place. That's where that spiritual warfare is coming in. That's where he's going to attack to keep that divide in there. It doesn't only say just for his or into his image. It also says for his glory. This sword that we're going to wield, this sword that is the only offensive weapon that we have, this sword that is totally authoritative, that, that is powerful enough to accomplish what it is set out to accomplish. Another great verse, Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. So God's saying the word that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty. Some of our other translations says it shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The words that go out of God's mouth are not just God standing up there speaking to hear himself speak. They have intended purpose. What, what, what can we know that that purpose is? The purpose is he's revealing the plan of, of, of um, his plan for the restoration of humanity. So if it's God's purpose, remember how I started out with this promise and everything? Like I'm going to promise to do this and, I'm gonna, and I, I, maybe I'll be able to keep it, maybe I won't. But it, what we have to understand is when God promises to do something, he will do that. If God purposes to do something, it will be accomplished if the focus is revealing the purpose of his plan, God's plan will be accomplished. And it will be accomplished through the power of his word. Isaiah 40, verse 8, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. It's not going to be my M16A2 service rifle that I'm going to cack, 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 and empty the clip and it be done. And then I have to use it in hand-to-hand -hand combat. No, the power of the word of God is infinite. It will stand forever. 
his image and for his glory. Glory is a beautiful word that most people, if I were to say, hey, define glory. Well, you know, like the glory of God. Okay, you're telling me what it's, what, you're giving me an example of this, but define glory. Glory is the manifestation or the manifest presentation of God's infinite and majestic nature. I love that definition. The manifest presentation of God's infinite and majestic nature. That's what the glory of God is. So when we um, understand that the revelation of God's plan through his word is for the restoration of humanity, it's for his glory. Let's put it in terms that we we can understand a little bit better. It's so that, that people can say, wow, look what God is doing. Look what God has done. It's that wow moment. It's beyond that wow moment. So, I, I think that my 25 minutes is almost up, right? We are. <laughs> that was just an introduction because here's the deal. As we have a sword, and, and, and this is how I picture this. I, I picture probably the Civil War, may, maybe World War I would, would, would fall into this, but let's just say the Civil War. In the Civil War, they still use swords. All right? Anybody watches Pawn Stars? You've seen them on there, American Pickers. You know, you've seen them, the, these swords that were used in battle, whatever. So, I, I, I envision, so as Paul is saying, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, I envision a sword like a, a Civil War sword. And I, I envision that, that a Civil War sword that's been passed down through the generations. Now, this Civil War sword that's been passed down through the generations, that Civil War sword obviously had some type, a, a, a time in, in, or a period in time which it inflicted a lot of, of, of uh, or was used, um, it was used, let's just say that, it was used. This sword now, it sits upon the mantle, right? It sits upon the, 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 the fireplace or it hangs on the wall in somebody's office or, or, or something, and people look at that sword and say, man, that was great in its day. This colonel or this captain or this whatever used that sword at this battle and they just talk up this sword. Well, that sword's great, and it's been through a lot of good things, and it's done a lot of good things. Maybe it's done some bad things. I don't know. But sitting up on that wall, it has, it has somewhat of a purpose. Now, if some owner of that sword were to say, you know what, I don't want it to sit up on the wall anymore. I'm going to take it off the wall. I'm going to put it on my belt. I'm going to walk around with it. Be a little bit different, right? It would go from the, the, the sword that sits up on the mantle that everybody looks at and um, says, hey, that's pretty cool and talks about. Now it goes to something that's on a, a, a man or a woman's belt that's walking around with this big sword. Some of us would be like, that's just weird. Okay, maybe. But it's different than it just being up on the wall, right? It's got different, um, different purpose at that point. It, it's not just people coming in, have to come into a certain spot to see this. Now the person who has it is walking around with it, and people are seeing it. Maybe they're talking about it, whatever. Well, if that same person were, were to go one step further and pull that sword out of its sheath, and walk around and be doing, uh, you know, cutting watermelons and chopping up bamboo or whatever using that sword, it takes on a, a, a different purpose, right? 
Where are you going with this, Lee? Here's where I'm going with this. I think that there's a lot of people that have the Bible, the sword of God, sitting on the mantle. It sits up there, and you talk about it as, you know, it's accomplished this, and it was great here, and, I, you know, I used it for this, and, and it's just sitting up there. And there's some that would say, well, that's not me. You know what? I carry my Bible everywhere. That's great. You carry it around. It's on your, your, your waist. Maybe people even see you carrying your Bible around. But are you wielding it? Are you actively using this? Because a sword is not meant to be set up on the mantle to collect dust, nor is it just to be put on a belt in case of emergencies. It's to be used continuously. Now, I'm not saying that we walk around with our face in the, in, in, in the book and we're tripping over things because we're not seeing what's going on. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. Well, what I am saying is don't, don't have the mentality that we're just going to sit it up on the shelf and it's already accomplished what it needs to accomplish. If we're not in the Scripture, if we're not reading it, if we're not filling our hearts, as the psalmist tells us that, you know, he says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Or some translations may say, I've hid in my heart your word. If we're not storing that up, if we're not taking the Bible off the mantle and putting it in our heart, and then we're wondering, like, well, why, why am I acting this way? Or why am I doing this? Why is this sin so prevalent? Wh- whatever it may be. The, the reason is because we got the, the word, it's, it's up, on, up on the mantle. We need to take it off and we need to use it for what it's, it's made for. Don't, don't let Satan get you in the mindset of, well, you've already done that. That's good. Just set that up there. Or don't let him get you in the mindset, of, I, I just can't understand it. I'll tell you this, if you don't understand it, there are people that are around you that do, that can help you understand it. That's that whole illumination thing. Maybe, so God reveals the truth. He reveals the same truth to everyone. Now, at certain times, the Holy Spirit is going to illuminate that truth and apply it a little bit different in everybody's life. If you need help with re- the truth being revealed to you, Look around to your brothers and sisters. No one is going to say, what do you mean you don't know what John 3.16 means? If they do, tattle on them. (laughs) Because I'll I'll call them out. Because here's the deal. When somebody comes to you for help, you should never demonize them or minimize them or or make them or, or, or demoralize them. How about that? We should never do that. We should want to be helping one another. If my son came up to me and said, Daddy, can you show me how to brush my teeth? What do you mean you don't know how to brush your teeth? Are you an idiot or something? Bad parent, right? What's the difference when somebody, a brother or sister comes up to you and say, hey, can you uh, show me? Or, I don't understand what this means. Can you help me with this? What do you mean you don't understand? You must not really love Jesus because really, everybody who loves Jesus knows what that means. No. It's being vulnerable and understanding that, hey, I don't know, I don't know exactly how to wield this sword. I want to wield it better. I want to, I want to be, do good damage and not bad damage. But I need help. I need training. I need to know what, what, what this is about. That's why we come together. That's why we learn. That's why I love to teach. Because we, when we learn these things, 
when we learn just a, a new truth or a new way to apply it, it just makes the, 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 um, the effectiveness in God's kingdom, our effectiveness in God's kingdom even more. When we have that new brain cell that spurts, or I don't know how it works, what they call the new wrinkle in the brain, when it comes to when we learn more about God's word, what we're understanding more and more, and what we're understanding more clearly is what God has said. So we don't have to be tempted by, by Satan when he comes up to us and say, did God really say blah, 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 whatever. That's what he's going to do. We need to know how to wield this sword. Um, I, I love this text. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. And this is my favorite part. And discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. My ministry philosophy for years, now you understand, it's that think, feel, act. The way you think, uh, determines the way in which you feel. The way in which you feel determines the way in which you act. So if you want to change the way in which you act, you've got to change the way in which you think. So here in this verse, it tells us, okay, how do we think? How should we think? Well, here, the, the Word of God, living and active, it's discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If I want to think different, I've got to understand. I've got, I've got to input God's truth in that's what's going to discern. That's what's going to be able to identify what is good and what is evil. And how about this? What is better and what is best? The Word of God is a powerful, powerful tool. And we should not be afraid to use it. But we also need to not be afraid to ask help how to use it. Because it is our only offensive weapon. And it is a power of God that's contained in the Word of God. Let's pray. God, I, I believe it to be true, and I'll stand to the death that your Word is sufficient. Your Word is complete. Your Word is authoritative. God, even though there's areas in which I don't fully understand. God, I know that your, your, your intent and your purpose in this is to reveal the truth. Reveal the truth of your plan for the restoration of humanity. God, and we ask as we open your words, or your word, and as we read the words that come from the page, that you come alive to us because you are alive. You are active. God, I, I, I pray that the words today that, that, that you gave me to speak, that they just they, they hit in the, 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 the innermost parts of, of all of us sitting here with such a force that we see the power that's in your word. And we don't just look at your word as the good book or the holy Bible or whatever other slang we use, but we look at it as the very words that you breathed out and are communicating to us. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we continue to welcome you. We praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.